Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. We are two Philly bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you. Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks because, because duality, duality is a thing. Yizzo. Hola, Shanti. Buenas noches. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I'm just okay. Oh. I'm hanging in there. Oh. <laughs> why are you just... I haven't talked to you, so why are you just okay? I've been... What the hell is going on? I think I started um, reading a book, and it's called A Million Little Pieces. I got it at a thrift store, and I feel like books really affect me and make me sad. This book is about... Uh, a recovering alcoholic and crack addict. <laughs> That's not funny. I'm not, I'm not laughing at the, the fact that. The, the but book it's about making recovery. me so sad, and you I've think? just been like, not sad, but like, yeah, it definitely affects me. And I realized that books affect me after I read. Interview with the Vampire. While I was reading Interview with the Vampire, I was like really dark and and like mm-hmm. dark. So I know books affect me. So I should read a book about how to make a lot of money and be happy all the time. Yes, maybe you should <laughs> definitely try that. You think? You're like books affect me. Meanwhile, you're sitting here telling people like your thoughts are everything. <laughs> It's true. It's important. But this book has been really good. It's been it's been actually really cathartic because you like to be really sad. Maybe. Mm. Maybe you just hit the nail on the head. No, it's it's about his recovery. It's about him like learning to become strong and make different choices and um I did research on him, and he lied about the whole story, though. What? Well, I got the book because it was Oprah's choice, and I was like, well, I have to get it because Oprah said to get it. He was, like, selected for Oprah's book club. Anyway, we have to unpack why you don't like Oprah because that's just serious. That is serious. I know. That I is a, a I don't, real problem, Antoinette. That's a different episode. That's a different that episode. I don't just, not like her. It's mm. just... Anyway, I I love her. Something about her feels inauthentic to me. Oh, my God. But she loves Beyonce. We need to go to therapy about that. Okay, so then um, I got it, and I did research, and, like, the the major climactic part of the story he lied about. And so it's a whole sham, and um, anyway... That's what I've been doing this past week. <laughs> How you been? <laughs> Jesus. I'm good. I have a lot of gripes this week, which we're probably going to get into on a different episode. But I am fine. I'm exhausted. I just You've flew been back flying in. around the world. 
I've been flying around the country, not necessarily the world, but I just been an I've just been tired, child. I've just got in from Utah, <laughs> but I will say from Utah, right? Yeah, you've just been flying said, around to it's the around whitest the curls. parts of the it, world. It's a roundaway curls in Utah, too, because <laughs> oh, uh, there was somebody that hit me in the DM like, you're in Utah. Oh, my God. Can you link? And I, I didn't have any time because of work. But, um, Shout I out just to need, all the roundaway curls in Utah, in Wisconsin. Yes. You have been going to places that, like that, though. Like, Name all of the... Can I just tell my story before you start to make fun of me? (laughs) Jesus. On the way there, I'm sitting there. I was flying out in the airport for work. First of all, I was in Newark Airport. People that live in New York know that Newark's airport is just... It's the worst. Like You have to take an air tram to get everywhere. The Amtram is super small, so you can hardly get anywhere. It's just like... I just, I really don't like the airport. And I've been spending a lot of time in the airport, so it's really probably my least favorite. But anyway, I'm sitting there, and they're like, hello, everyone, the flight's oversold. So we're looking for two people to, you know, they have flexibility in their travel schedule. Da, da, da. So I was like, all right, well, I don't work until the morning. I'm flying out the day before, and I can get there a little later, I guess. But I was like, let me hold out. So they, the first thing was like, you know, we'll give you $300. Then it was, we'll give you $400. Then it went up to five. Then it went up to six. And I was like, bet. So I went over and was like, I will travel later. Great. So she's like, okay, well, we'll give you a gift card, American Express gift card. You got some money on it. You got to spend it within six months. Cool. I think I can do that. <sighs> I... Get on the flight. It was she was really nice. She put she put me in first class for the first flight because of course I didn't I had a connection and I didn't have a connection. I had a a flight that was um what's that called? Child, I'm too tired. Canceled. You don't have a connection. Direct flight. (laughs) Yes, I had a direct flight. And I was in first class the first flight, which was really funny because this white woman was looking at me. We sat next to each other. Baby, she looked like she was this really well put together white woman that was like super fit, old as hell, but like hair was like long and like cut in this bob, this like really sleek bob. She had all this jewelry on. She smelled good. Like she was in like a dress and heels on a flight. Like she just looked like this badass businesswoman. But when I tell you the look of shock when my raggedy ass came and sat next to her. You didn't look all, raggedy. You be wearing your little power suits and your faux locks. No, not to, not to travel. I had on a whole, so I have a travel sweatsuit. And I wear it every time I get on a flight. It's a black sweatsuit. And I, I think it's super cute. And I have my, um, my Nike triple white. Air Force um, 97s, and somebody had just stepped on my shoe. So I'm sitting there in this sweatsuit, and <laughs> I take my shoe off, and I start cleaning the <laughs> oh shoe. Oh, my God. So you, you, the juxtaposition between her and I was just great. It was hilarious. I'm sitting there. I have these faux locks in. I got mad chains on because I think, you know, I got my sweatsuit. So I thought that was cute, you know, all-black sweatsuit, 
the white Nikes and then the, you know, the chains. Oh, she was funny. And then I had your ring on that I got from Sable. It says, fuck the patriarchy. It was just amazing. It was just like everything that I could have possibly wanted to be in first class. And she didn't really know what to do with me, in all honesty. But she ended up being cool. But initially, she was shocked. And then there was a man. Did you talk with her? A little bit. But I only spoke with her because there was a man sitting behind us. And before we took off, he was like, excuse me, excuse me, to the flight attendant. And then flight attendants who are in first class, they are so nice. I, it's like a very big difference. Like they, he shook all of our hands, passed us these like mm. warm cloths and shit. It was like, this is why society is so fucked up. But anyway, this guy goes, I'm sorry, I don't have a place to put my bag because it seems the people on the back of the bus took up our... Our, st- our storage. Whoa. And I was like, the back of the butt. <laughs> I was like, if that is not a dog whistle comment, I don't know what is. First of all, we not want a bus. So the back of the bus reference is legit. Like the second mm. class citizens back there took up our like storage, our overhead storage. I was so annoyed by that. And when he said it, I my mouth dropped. And I said, the back of the what? And the woman looked at me and she was like, some people just don't know what to say. <laughs> but, but really, I was thinking to myself, like, some people don't know what to say, but she's probably like, I don't know, he shouldn't have said it. He could have just thought it. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? But anyway, so I get to Atlanta and my flight is delayed there. So I'm just waiting around. Atlanta, I was in like one of those huge pl- planes that's like the three rows or whatever. And I was in the middle dumb uncomfortable and then I got to Utah super late and then my hotel was an hour and a half away from the airport so I got to the hotel like 3 a.m had to be up and ready to go working at 745 you a hustler you a boss though I just took a red eye back today (laughs) and did absolutely nothing I ordered Chinese food ate it and went to bed yes self-care Sundays after hustling no, I wanted to go to the gym. I'm spraying, child. No, you're no. not. I saw pictures I of feel you like look I great. Am. That's because in a suit, anybody looks great. No, actually. It's very slimming. No, actually. No. But let's, get, let's talk about your sadness and the <laughs> fact that you like to, to read about recovering crackheads in your spare oh. time. There's nothing else you want to do. Nothing else you want to read about. It's not a love story. Nothing. Nothing? No. Um, no. Because Oprah <laughs> said to read it. So I was like, I don't have a fucking choice. It's 50 cents. Oprah said to read it. I'm buying it, and it's going to change my life. Okay. And um, And I guess... I guess I'm also, and this leads to why the fuck we are recording this episode. Um, it leads to... Me, I guess, becoming more aware of my emotions and my dips, my ebbs and flows. And um, I started therapy. If there's a clapping um, All right. John Antoinette, you have to add that, okay? And everybody go, yay! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <A> clapping track? <laughs> Please not, do not ass tell clapping me how to track. edit. How to edit. <laughs> but a hand you can, You should edit this one. You edit this one. You put in whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and 
Um, it has definitely, starting therapy has definitely brought up a lot of things. And so with reading this book and with going with therapy, I was like, yo, we got we to gotta talk about this because I think along with the rise of self-care, um, therapy and mental health has definitely been a hot topic uh, amongst black blah, folks. Blah, blah, blah. Psych, I'm playing. Why? Wait, what? I'm playing. I don't understand. <laughs> Nothing. I'm just so sick of self care. Go ahead. I'm such a well, I'm such a monster. It's oh. it's I, because I think a lot of people don't know what the fuck that means, and it's just a word. Me neither. Self-care. That's why I'm sick of it. What what does that mean? So, um, I wanted to talk with you. About, have you been to therapy before? Number one, because if you have never been to therapy, then you know I have. That. So, don't ask me questions like you don't know me. Okay, I just you went a couple times. You didn't go. You didn't go continuously though. You went just like a couple times. Yes, I did. That's not true. You. How long to. did you go to therapy? A year. Don't disrespect me, old girl's relationship. Wait, my, what? Betty, me and Betty. I saw Betty for a year. Oh, I didn't know you went to therapy. Your for mind a year. was blown. Your mind is—you don't even know what to say. I did not know that face. you went to therapy for a year. You're I like thought you, you went, went to therapy for a year, and you're still <laughs> and you're like still that? fucked up. But you need to go back for seventeen more. <laughs> you're like, how long is this shit gonna take me? Wait a minute. Wait, this, <laughs> she went to a year, and ain't nothing changed. Oh fuck. <laughs> No, I went for a year, and then I also went, you went when I was to, little. I went when I was a little kid. Uh, oh, you did? That's uh, wonderful. Yeah, but that was more so. It wasn't. It was more so for my parents to figure out what the hell happened to me. They were making me touch dolls and stuff and be like, where did he touch you kind of stuff. It wasn't Shout really for me. Shout out to your parents for putting you through. She said it wasn't really for you. <laughs> well, they were trying to figure out what happened. Oh, we got to step into all of this. Well, I guess we're going to explore all this now. Um, but what's really come up for me, aside from like, I was just going to do like, okay, let's just do a thing about therapy. What's come up for me, um, is like how, how in therapy I'm, I'm seeing very clearly the generational curses, um, in my family Mm -hmm. and how they're being passed down. And like, I would read the memes like... Black people, we got to break our generational curses. And I'm like, like, but I didn't really, again, <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck that really meant in real life, real time in in life regards to me. me. Now, man. For real. <laughs> For real. So I was in my car and I had just come from a session and I was thinking about the patterns and I was connecting it to my childhood. I was connecting it to my, my mother specifically. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is what a generational curse is. And this is why it's so important to become aware of it because I have a daughter and like this shit gets passed down and the healing never really, it never really happens. And so change doesn't really happen. Mm. So, I wanted to start with, and I wanted to ask you, and I can lead first, um, but what was your, your, um, what did you observe 
in connection to women's mental health in your life when you were very young? Like, how did you see? And you can and you can connect it now to as an adult. But like, what was the health, the mental health of your mother growing up? What did you see? Well, what it did you see? It wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, I saw a woman. I didn't get along with my mom that much. My mom, it's so complicated. My mom favorited my sister. My dad favorited me. And I resented her for that. And so I didn't pay much attention to her, but... Since a very I young, saw a very a loving woman, regardless. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recognized that at a young age that I wasn't her favorite. Um, but she, even still, I recognized somebody very loving, very thoughtful. I saw her love as she sacrificed a lot. And so that's what I learned to be love. That's mm-hmm. how I define love was mm-hmm. sacrifice and struggle. <clears throat> Um, I saw someone who had a lot of resentment um, every life (laughs) towards the hand she was dealt, towards my father, towards me, um, possibly towards herself. Um, My mom has a real issue with people who have a lot of money. She hates them. She don't hate them, but she she just is like, because they're rich. Like, she just has always struggled, so she... Um, she was frustrated. She wanted a certain life that she didn't have. She wanted life to be a lot easier for her, a lot easier for us. Um, And she uh, has gotten so much better now. I have to also say that my mom was really young when she had us, so I probably would have reacted the same way. But she had a lot of anger, and the the slightest thing would set her off. I, my mom would... How, and then how up. would she deal with that? And she would just be mad? Would she, like, recognize it and say, I'm sorry? Or would she just be like... She would say, I'm sorry, but... And she would only say, I'm sorry, because somebody forced her to say it, usually my dad. Um, but it was never, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. It was, I'm sorry, yeah. but... I feel this way because of da 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 And I understood... I understand now why she... It was always a but, because... A lot of her anger was justified because her marriage wasn't the best. Um, But, yeah, when she would erupt, man, it was not good. And the slightest thing could set her off. You know, she can't find her keys, so now she's literally throwing stuff off the kitchen table. So it was so much anger. Yeah, a lot. She had a lot of anger. And it was to the point where we just were desensitized to it. Um, And it lasted – her anger kind of lasted until, I want to say – my high school, college, college, early college days until I finally was, like, old enough to be like, you can't do this to me anymore, period. Like, I can't be your punching bag. And when you say I'm sorry, it, it doesn't mean anything unless you change your behavior. And she's really changed. Um, she might go off, but it's fair. Oh, and so it's now like maybe you're once seeing a year. her not... kind of recover her. And oh, my God, yes. What, my what mom has, has done Do so what, much self-work. What, how she has, what the work was, like what what she had to do? Well, I think 
I think what led to it was one, me establishing boundaries with her and not being afraid of, of her to be angry with me. Me literally getting up and leaving holidays and just renting a car and driving back to New York and be like, I'm not gonna deal with this. Um, and then that kind of forced her to look within. I think she definitely wanted to feel better about herself. She started reading a lot of self-care, self-help books, lots of Greg Braden, and super into like anyone that Oprah mentions. She's all about it. Um, she has all kinds. I forget what the other woman's name is. Another woman that she listens to a lot, but Greg Braden is like her man. Um, she listens to these tapes on the way to work. She makes me tapes. Like She's heavy into it. Um, and she's just starting to realize like how much her stress and anger was manifesting yes. in her health. And so she changed it. You know, she started to meditate. Like, she's just done so much self-work. Um, therapy, she's never been a fan of. She's gone, but she's like, that shit doesn't help. The stuff that helps her is listening to these tapes and going to these, like, seminars and things like that. So, yeah, she's figured out how to channel it and how to focus more on positive energy to bring more positivity into her life. So. I think with my mom, um, that's where she's at. I never s saw her um, Well, one, what did you see growing up? My, my parents were together until I was 15. So I saw a lot I, I saw my mom bereft a lot. So she was like always in, in, in survival mode. In survival mode, not in, like, trying to make it bills paid and having to work, but just, like, trying to get herself out of an emotional turmoil. Um, mm. We had a lot of family dynamics. Um, she didn't, she wasn't able to raise all of her children together. We had a blended family. So she was kind of always recovering from choices made in the past and where she felt oh yeah, guilty, where she felt guilty uh, yeah where she felt guilty where she felt just a deep sense of longing things that i i think are reasonable re reactions to uh, the situation and then she like had these same cyclic patterns with my dad you know i knew that at least once every three months there was going to be this huge eruption in the house and then she had to kind of recover from that mm. emotionally and um and I remember being parentalized at a very young age of like comforting her and breaking down situations for her like um thoughtfully and emotionally like being there for her and talking her through being bereft and trying to find ways even as a child to help her come out of her sadness so I guess where your mother had anger my mom had a lot of sadness and you know she was mm. a fiercely fiercely loyal woman and super competent and just like everything you know so she was always trying to make things work and figure ways to make things work even in her bereft state. So two, I think I got, I had an example of 
by any means necessary being a caretaker for people and and if there was a problem in a relationship especially with my father doing whatever had to be done to make it right um even if it was to her her detriment um and i th- i think i see her now I, her story is still the same i think she still has the same cycles that she goes through. And although she has become more and more aware of it and she is, you know, being the best person that she can possibly be, she still struggles emotionally with, like, her her self-care and her mental health. And, um, and a lot of that has been, has, I know it's passed on to me, um, Although our circumstances are different and I didn't make the same choices as her, that's where I can see like the generational consequence, the generational curse is like being being passed down. And she doesn't mm. she definitely didn't doesn't like therapy. Like she's a brilliant person and doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> and nothing works because she just is too smart for everything, or so she thinks she's too smart for everything. Um, So therapy, especially with my dad, like, that wasn't ever an option, you know, like, with... And maybe I'm generalizing, but I I think I learned a lot more from um, my mom on, like... Actually, I, I learned for both of them. But I think the generational curse has been passed down more from my mom than my dad in a lot of ways. Um, but like therapy was never, mm. never discussed. They never went to therapy in their relationship. Um, and I think my mom just started going to therapy or tried to go to therapy like within the past three years of her life. So aside from being a child and going to therapy by her parents' requests. So I don't know how therapy became an option for me. I had always heard of it, but it it was never something that I was like, no, nah, I'm never do that. And there was never a stigma around it to me, even though for me, even though my parents didn't mm-hmm. do that. Um, and I think when I decided to go to therapy. I went to therapy twice. So the first time was kind of like a, I was in crisis. I had a lot going on in my life and I just didn't know. I had decisions that needed to be made and I didn't know how to trust myself enough to make them. So I went. It was awful. It didn't help me at all. And then the second time was now, maybe like a couple months ago when I don't have, I'm not in any crisis. I just want to kind of understand myself better. Um, mm-hmm. But when did you know you had to, like, what was the idea of therapy for you? How did you know it was, like, an option and something that you needed when you went? Well, I did not like therapy based off of my experience as a little girl. Actually, I went three times, child. Oh, oh my God. What the? <laughs> child, I went when I was really little after... The, my sexual abuse and then I went again my dad actually made me go I love him 
My dad made me go because I was so angry um, with my mother, mostly, and just angry in general. And he, at one, when my parents separated and their divorce was a very tumultuous one. And then my mom started dating my fifth grade teacher. I should really go into that in the podcast one day. Oh, right. For y'all. <laughs> so people can really understand. How your mom is married <laughs> to your fifth grade teacher. She, yeah. To mine and my sister's. My sister is four years older than me, and he, she mm. was also in his class. Um, and, and, and I was still at the school. I was still in, I was a seventh grader. That they were dating? So that was kind of rough. They were dating, I was getting into fights every day. attending the school? That yes. is a How do you little not know that? Yes, inconsiderate. Of course. Wow. That's fucked up. Uh, a little. She used to go <gasps> to his class and visit him. And I, people would come tell me, like, your mom's here. Be like, oh. It was horrible. So, anyway, I was getting into a lot of fights. And it was bad. So then my dad made me go. Um, and I didn't like that person because that person... Would side would try to get me to see my mom's side, and I didn't want to see it. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, I don't like this." Um, and my dad, I think his his concern was that I had started to say that I was agnostic, <laughs> um, like that I didn't have any faith in God. You're laughing, and that's really inconsiderate and rude. This, I'm sorry. And this makes me not want to share with he you. He said you got to go to therapy. He didn't say you got to go to church. He was like, "You don't believe in God? Take your ass to therapy." <laughs> <laughs> no, he was like, I was. It wasn't even that I didn't believe a guy. It was that. Well, at first I was atheist. I was saying I was atheist. Then I discovered agnostic, and I was like, okay, I'll be agnostic because I was like, I don't. It could be. It could not be. How Either way, I don't give a fuck. I was just going into high school around this time, um, and that was a big part of my identity back then. Before you met me, was that I did not believe in God and I did not subscribe to religion. Child, I'm, I've, I've changed. But, yeah, so I went. I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't open to hearing it. And then I went again as a, an adult. And that was finally when it was helpful when I made the decision to go. And I went after, um, I went like three years ago, two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, after a breakup and after a life change and a career change. It was just a lot of, it felt like a lot of death going on around me. And I was really lost. Like, the relationship had died. Um, my aspiration to, like, be a musical theater had died. I was like, I don't like this. I don't love this anymore. I don't want to do it. And that was a really big part of me that I felt really conflicted about. So, yeah, I was in conflict. And I decided that I needed to talk to somebody. Because I, I felt guilty about talking my girlfriend's ears Girl, off. Girl, you ain't talk about oh, up here about it. Because you didn't share all that with nobody. Yeah, That's not true. Y'all weren't there for me. That you is you not you were true. But them other them other hoes was not here for me around that so, time. That's okay. Did you like your therapist? Because she you was spent right. a year with really somebody that like you didn't really that I you wanted, didn't really like. You know what? I actually really Betty. liked Betty. Betty was a white woman, but Betty pissed me off. Betty pissed me off because my insurance, like, there was only a certain amount of sessions. I have really good insurance, and there was only a certain amount of sessions they were going to do. So after a year, it was, like, real, it was short of a year. And 
there were like two sessions that I needed to pay for. And I didn't know, like she had submitted to my insurance company late. So like I had, I just was thinking, you know, I'm just paying my little copay and that's it. So then Betty was like, Hey, it was, and it was only like $50 or something like that. And she started texting me on the weekend. Yo, Betty's about like, it. where's my money? Like, where's my money? It was, Internet, where's my money? <laughs> it was such a turnoff. Yes. That's how so she was. I was like, like Oh, you. okay. I really don't. Yeah, I don't bang with you. And then she was like, well, it's a new year. So, you know, your appointments have renewed or whatever. And I was like, I'm good. I'm not coming back. And I ghosted on her. Oh, so you have I just never called her back. Okay. I was mad. I was like, we spent a year together. You know, my deepest, darkest secrets. And you're texting me on the weekend at like 8 a.m. About $50. Like, girl, they don't shut up. But anyway, you I did, did enjoy not her enjoy her. While, while you we did not create a relationship with Betty because you would have. To- um, <laughs> did you ask me the question or did you? I just feel like I'm confused. <laughs> I I can turn. Like, <laughs> I did have a relationship with her. She pissed me off, and then I, I was done with her. I think you need to go to therapy about I, I just, your, I went into, your <laughs> experience with no. therapy. I, I mean, for me, it was more like I didn't want her to be my friend. Because I didn't want to get, I didn't want that. I was very vulnerable with her, but I didn't want to, I didn't want a relationship with her where we were like chummy and she was like holding me while I cried. I wanted her to be a little bit, I wanted her to be like a little bit cold and just give it to me straight. Like I wasn't looking for, I had emotional support up here. I was getting that um, from Jade, from Angie, my two girlfriends, but I wanted someone to give me it straight. And and Betty did that. She was a, a cold Ugh. Jewish white My woman. My first and I, what was I liked a about her, woman. And she was cold, too. And... I oh, love that. See... I love it. No. But the other thing with Betty was that she... I just wanted it straight. And she was also... She was on Broadway when she, she was She was like, So that aspect depressed. of my life... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. No, she she completely what I really like was she completely understood my gripe with that industry. And I talked to her a lot about her decision to stop um and to go into a new field. And so for me it was really helpful. And she was literally one block away from my job. So I would just leave at three o'clock on Tuesdays, go and then come now, back. It was perfect. Would you consider going to therapy again? Are you trying to tell me that I need to go to therapy again? I think everybody should be in therapy. Yeah, I think you should. I think most definitely. <laughs> yeah. I really think you should go to therapy again. Absolutely. Um, I would certainly be. I'm never, I will never not be open to therapy. I don't feel like I need it right now. I feel like I'm doing a lot of work on my own that feels really good. Um, and I haven't been in such a good place in a while. Um, so right now I'm feeling pretty awesome, but maybe you know something I don't. Sure. I think this uh, uh, podcast is pretty I don't know. cathartic, if you ask me. Cathartic? I don't know what that word was. Yes, that's the right word. Uh, catastrophic? C- anyway. No, it's um, not catastrophic. 
When I first went, well, I think that a lot of people think that therapy is something that you go to. I certainly did. And it's very helpful as a place that you turn to a resource when you are in crisis mode. So when I was in crisis mode, my shit was falling apart. I had insurance and I was like, I I need to go to therapy. So I went and it was with a cold old Jewish woman as well. And it was just like she was telling me what to do. And I was like, I could go to my mom right now rather than you. And she didn't listen very well. And she didn't seem like she cared. And she didn't seem like she understood or cared to understand and really, like, help me um, go to the source of things. So mm-hmm. when the insurance, like, fell apart... I was like, fuck this, I'm not going back. And also the crisis subsided and things started leveling out. But on this second time, you know, I'm just like you. I'm in a good place, um, really good place, a better place than I've been in a very long time. But I felt like that was while I'm not in crisis and I have the mental and emotional capacity to really, like, observe and seek more development and know, understand more of myself, I was like, all right, let me, let me go to therapy. Because while I wasn't in crisis mode, I, I would see, and I could see clearly patterns and cyclic thoughts and beliefs and narratives that I create and hold on to that aren't necessarily true. And I was like, I need to, I need to understand this a little bit more. So I've, I went to a friend, or I talked about it with a friend, and she told me about, because I don't have insurance right now, <clears throat> she told me about this, um, this therapy center that is just for women and transgendered women, and um, they offer therapy from like a feminist standpoint. And so I was like, all right. Let me go there. And it's sliding scale, so it's cheap. And I basically, I had in my mind, I wanted this, like, matriarchal, heavy set, older black woman <laughs> with locks. I wanted Toni Morrison. <laughs> I wanted Toni Morrison. <laughs> to be, yo, that's so funny, because that's exactly, I wanted, like, a deep voice woman brilliant woman to be my therapist to tell me what to do but I got although my therapist is brilliant I got pretty much the exact opposite and you can put your request as to who you'd like and um it took a couple times Mm -hmm. like I I got a call (laughs) I got a call straight up this was this was the conversation hi um this is Rebecca I wanted I'm calling from the therapy center. I wanted to see when you're available. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, it's Rebecca. I'm, I'm going to be your therapist. I want to know what your hours availability were. And I was like, I don't know what her, her name, name was, was Rebecca? but like that was, that was. <laughs> Why how, would you just her, her name? It's <laughs> Becky for sure. Her name uh-huh. was Rebecca. And her name was, Right, that's why I'm laughing. I cannot stand you. You didn't even realize what you just did there. And I was like, how old are you? And she was like, 26? I was like, no, I cannot. I'm, I'm sorry, you have to get somebody else. So it took, it took a couple tries, but I finally 
had a nice conversation with somebody, and I walk to meet her. I, I go to meet her for the first um, appointment, and she's like this ambiguously raced woman who's a year older than me, who also has a daughter that's the same age, and who like she's just like everything. Yeah, oh, she's so like there. there. Not that she's been there. She's like right there. She's like yeah. my my peer. Um, and it's just been it's been really nice to be with have a therapist that's that is the same age and I don't have to take this like subordinate or young role and like she's not somebody that I look up to and think she knows everything but also she just offers me great tools and she's been really great and like and I think therapy is wonderful and that's why I think we can connect it to breaking generational curses because she'll be the also the first one to be like oh well this is a lot to unpack you know not only do you have trauma here but also this is you know a great example of how patriarchy like is fucking up your life and how you've been conditioned to it and I'm like what um but in that you Mm. can what I'm realizing aside from just liking a mean and be like "Mm, yeah generational curses we gotta get free is like in these in our relationships in our intimate relationships in our patterns, when we see them and we start making changes, like, for instance, you know, when when shit comes up in my intimate relationship with the partner I may or may not have, (laughs) I may or may not be in a relationship with, like, I can have that conversation with him and help him to examine his shit and, like, healing actually happens on a on a on a really really um on a deeper deeper level and so what's been coming up for me you know with having talked with my mom um talked about kind of like my mom shit and having hold held up so much space for her at a really really young age I see mm-hmm. that it's really hard for me because I I, ha- I know my superpower is like holding space for people and being able to handle a lot of other people's emotional stuff and being supportive. But it has stunted me in kind of like asking for what I want and like taking up space and and basically identifying what I need and then having the confidence to ask for it and especially in Mm. like my relationships with a partner you know it's not only watching my mom suffer because she never got had her needs met and she just kind of like always took the role of a caretaker and yada 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 um and then me seeing and watching that and then acting that out in my relationships. Like, that's also, my my therapist helped me to see, like, that's how women have been conditioned kind of to function in society anyway. It's just kind of like, you take care of the family, you take care of men's emotional baggage, you just take care of everything, 
Mm-hmm. Don't you dare ask for anything. That's your role. That's your place. Keep this shit going. And let's keep the world turning in that way. And so... Right. And then pass that shit down to your daughter so that they can see it. So being in therapy is kind of... It's mm. giving me the tools. And it's been slow. I, I just now realize, like, oh, my God. This is really big. This is super important. Um well, that's the thing about generational trauma is that you, it's generational and it's, you usually don't, you can't recognize it because it's just right. what you, you think it's come normal, accustomed right? to knowing. Right. That's your reality. Right. It's like when I, when I went to therapy, the biggest thing that I took away this most recent time when I went willingly, because I really struggled to understand why I struggled with codependency. Because most people that struggle with codependency, um, something that I recognized was that, or I couldn't recognize was why I was that way. Um, I recognized it within myself, especially within that last relationship. But I also was like, I had a great relationship with my dad. I was a daddy's girl. Like It wasn't like he wasn't present. It wasn't that he didn't love me. Like I didn't get it. I was always trying to figure that out. And finally, um, Betty asked me about my mom. And I was like, oh, well, my mom is so thoughtful. She's so this, she's so that, da 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 And she was like, okay, that's great. How was it growing up, da-da-da? And a big part of it was that I learned at a very young age that my mom could treat me mm-hmm. badly because she was under so right. much stress or under whatever. Mm-hmm. She could lash out. She could throw stuff. She could this. And it was... And I had to forgive it, and in order for and and not only had to forgive it, but in order to prevent it, I had to be my best self always. So it was as if I was I was learning that in order for her to love me and not hurt my feelings or yell or scream or get angry, I have to mm. be better. I have to earn that love. Um, when she would get upset like that, you know, most reactions of people would be anger and they would yell back at her or they would leave or they would whatever. But I would try to make her feel better or and, and she would yell more like, get wow. away from me like that. that and it was um, that kind of, I guess, rejection from her. At, at that time. I hate talking about this because my no, mom was this not a is bad real. mom. This, this did is... not happen every day. Yeah. But this, it was her dealing yeah. with all the woman shit mm-hmm. that she had to deal with. It was like, your dad cheated on me. He's got another fucking kid I just found out about. And she didn't even tell me that. That was something mm-hmm. that she held on to because she saw my relationship with my father and she didn't want it. She didn't want my relationship to be affected by it. So she has harboring all this resentment. So, of course, she's lashing out. Of course, she's angry. It was just that I got the brunt end of it. And so I learned patterns from you know i developed my own patterns from that that were very unhealthy and ter- and so talk up how, how i've did, done how, a lot of how did that play out in your relationships i'm sorry that's what i was going to say my um how oh in mm-hmm. my relationships with people the same thing um it was the same thing it was when they treated me badly it was my fault and it was my job to figure out how to um how to overcompensate, I guess, to make them, to, 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 to earn their love and their affection and their kindness. 
Um, and I suffered from feelings of abandonment. Um, I was very needy, I think, in relationships. If I didn't hear from the person for over this, over six, seven hours, and I'd be like, they don't care, but not not calling them and blowing them up, but like sad, like they don't care about me. My 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 um, overall mental health and happiness was completely reliant on on how they felt about me, and that was hella unhealthy. But to take it a step further, I also always thought that their inability to love me properly right. was my fault. And it was something lacking within me. Um, so, you know, a way that I healed that within myself, luckily I have a mom that was doing work on herself as well. And um, I healed my relationship with her. And her and I are actually closer than her and my sister at this point. Um, I recognize when my mom is triggered now um, I have a lot of empathy, much more empathy and compassion for where she's coming from. I understand her a bit more. Um, she's able to listen to me more. Uh, we still have our arguments or whatever, but I'm able to, I'm able to just see where she's coming from and know that it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with me. And she's able to do the same as well. Um, so in healing my relationship with her and in being able to have very strong boundaries with her. If she does treat me in a way that I don't like, I, I express it now and I'm not gonna take it. And um, she does the same. So now we're in a better place and now I'm in a much better place with, I think, the people in my life as a result. And now you're... But it took me so long to figure out why I was that way. Why I was so dependent on men especially, or on outside love and affection. Um, and that was it. And that was like, when when I recognized that, when Betty helped me recognize that, I immediately called her, called my mom, and didn't didn't necessarily tell her that, because I, I would, I didn't want, I would never want her to feel guilty about that, or feel like, you know, she she messed me up. She did the absolute best she could. So I didn't share that, I just wanted to reset with her and I've just constantly made steps to heal our relationship and it's benefited you me. better do the work and now when you, you know, and I'm now when you go into to. another relationship or when you have a child you know that that's something that you'll be aware of it's so interesting because something that I will say I didn't some people, some people will pick up the, their habits of their family, and I'm not, I wasn't one that did that. I recognized it, and, and it affected me in other ways where, like, um, I don't lash out and scream and yell and throw things, and, like, I tend to be very firm if I have an issue with someone or very direct, but I'm not, like, flipping out and going crazy. Um, because I know how that feels. Um, so I was always trying to keep the peace. It could be the Libra in me, but i that's not something I would pass on. But I, I think that I could possibly pass on if I were to have a child and I didn't do this work, I could pass on codependency. I could get into a relationship with 
that is unhealthy, that is toxic, have my child witness me trying to earn this man's affection day after day after day yeah, and I, pass that I on. I think that, that that's um, how things get so convoluted and it gets super, super, um, super, yeah. what's the word? Uh, I can't find the word, but it gets a lot gets packed and passed down because not only the, the, the source of yeah. it and the source of it could be this idea. Your mom was overwhelmed and upset. My mom was overwhelmed and neglected and not having her needs met. And I think the crux of it all is that women are not fully supported by men emotionally, financially, um, spiritually there there's not a men are not required to do, to be supportive in the ways that women are required to to be supportive so your mom was well, like overwhelmed i would take it a step further and I, I i wouldn't just say women i would say people because we're all products of you know of something there's always something that shapes us I have a lot of, most of the good things, I mean, not most, but a lot of the good things about me are from my mother. And then I, you know, I got this codependency thing from her as a result of her own yeah. trauma. But that's every human in the world. That's, let me finish. That's every human in the world. Like, my dad has his shit because of the, the relationship that he had with his parents and his environment. So that's why I think it's so important for all people no, no, to get that's, therapy that's what I'm saying. because there's no I'm I'm not there's the, one second I'm just saying that like I think that it's important because there's always going to be something that you take away from an experience that you need to unpack and heal because we're all human we're all flawed and so like even even with Jojo Jojo is gonna have stuff that she has to unpack even though that you probably have done an amazing job and are doing an amazing job and will continue to do so. She's, she's still going to have stuff. Everybody's going to have stuff. Everybody's going to have stuff. And so like, I think the crux of it is that people don't recognize that they all have stuff regardless of how good their parents were or how good their childhood was. There's always something that you take away that you need, that you, that you have to work on. Because as a child, you just don't have the tools to be able to understand situations and decipher things and figure it out. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I just think the amount of things that have to be unpacked and the resistance to by society for people to really unpack them is especially a, a, a great burden for black women who have to, who often aren't given the space or the opportunity to unpack things and have a double, double burden in that a lot of black women are, a lot of black women have been raised in matriarchal families where women hold it down and you have to be strong and you have to have that superwoman the superwoman syndrome where you're doing every and every any and everything for everybody and you you can't afford to crack cuz your family survival is dependent on it 
and not have not having men hear that. there to support you or the men that are there to support you there is this uh the power dynamic is you know you you still carry a lot of emotional weight and you carry his emotional weight and you help him unpack his shit but then like who's 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 there for you where is your space to where is your space where can you take up space and let it I hear that go? I think I I think that black men too and men in general also have this whole toxic masculinity thing where they don't feel like they can even be vulnerable enough to consider therapy even if they're not holding anybody the fuck down right. it's just like this existing thing where you have to be strong you know, I think that there's just an overall, especially especially in the U.S. and a lot of country, a lot of African countries too, where huge people, men, women, people, like there is no time for your fucking feelings, and you have to put one foot in front of the other, suck it up, and get it done. And I think I think it exists on both sides, but I do think that women women are tasked with <laughs> birthing the fucking nation so it's it's women have a lot i agree it is yeah i agree um so i don't know that's that's just was on my mind and on my heart and i think that um but what would you say to someone though? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of there's so, a lot of reasons that people should go to therapy. I shared mine and I, I hope that some people I, I don't think it should be something that you go to just in crisis because I think we all have patterns and we we all should be seeking um just, just trying to know ourselves a little bit more deeply and like I keep having for me I keep having the same patterns come up in my partnerships, whether any kind of partnerships that I have. And it's this, in a, this is, there's this unreasonable patience that I have. And it's like, I, because I'm, I, I'm scared. I don't have the confidence to ask for what I want. I, I let, in a, in a relationship, the other person take up a lot of space and I hold a lot of space for them and I help them figure stuff out. And I, and I don't know if I am, if it's even reasonable for me to ask for, for what I need. And that's because of what I saw from my mom. That's from my conditioning from my mom. And so like, I just, it came to a point that I think that pattern has become less and less toxic in my life, but it was just like, all right, like, why the fuck? What the fuck? And so I went to therapy, and and just to be able to say that to somebody else that's not your friend, that's not your partner, that's not somebody that knows you, and just kind of, like, have somebody hold space for you um, helps you work stuff out. And... And mm. and see yourself a little bit clearly, more clearly. And um, I think, go ahead. I think that though, with you, I think that you like to hold space for people because you don't like to talk about yourself. Well, because 
I think yeah, you're more comfortable for other people. That's just how I've been. Yeah. That's how I've been conditioned. Like, you know, I've been yeah. able to feel other people's stuff for for since I was uh, very young. You know, I with my that relationship with my mom has just been like, all right, what what's up with you? How can I help you? So yeah, it does. It makes me uncomfortable to like talk about myself. But here we are talking to a million people on a blog about my personal problems. Girl, you wish it was a million people. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. But I would say what I think that for people who are listening, I, just one last thing. I didn't share it was that I realized I needed to go, but the most recent time was when I was at such a low point one night. I don't remember what night, but it was really low, and I was by myself in my apartment, and I, I might have called someone, and they didn't answer, and I literally felt, thought, I, I felt such kind of despair that I started thinking about if I wasn't here and who would care and who would be sad, who would show up to my feet, like had these kind of thoughts and was like, whoa, that's, mm -hmm. this isn't good. Mm -hmm. And I was crying and I Googled a number to call and I called in and talked to someone. You have never like told me that. 10 minutes. I mean, you. I know. Well. <laughs> you have never told me that but I, I say that because there um there are uh resources like that that are really great um there's a whole you know I'll put this link actually in the blurb there's a free crisis hotline um center there's a couple of them actually like a bunch and there are, some of them are specific for like mental illness, some are for substance abuse, mental health, um, suicide prevention hotlines, and some are really just about um, folks that need to discuss mental health and discuss their mental health. Um, so I'll put this link in there because it can be really helpful. And another link is um, a way to find a psychologist. Um, this is really, really helpful website um, via Psychology Today, which is a magazine. It comes out um, bi-monthly because they do a lot of research so they can't get it out every month. Um, but you can literally type in your zip code and you can click on what insurance you have. If you don't have insurance, you can filter what issues you think you have. You can um, search via your sexuality, your gender, um, your age, and you can also search via um, your psychiatrist or your therapist's information there, Yeah. Um, if you're looking for someone specific. And it's really great, and it's a, you know, it's a website that's national, and it just has tons of therapists listed there where you can look at them, read their profiles, look up their schooling, their education, how many years they've been in the business, and um, And don't reviews. give up. And so yeah, I don't give up if you don't like the therapist the first time. Like, all right, that doesn't mean that that it's over. You just have to, you really have to kind of like seek your, the person that's going to resonate with you. Because I know so many people that are like, I went to therapy and I didn't like my therapist and then never returned. And it's just kind of like, know, no, you just got to keep going. 
It's like you don't like every person that you meet in the world. There's, these people right. are still people. You know, you got to find the person that fits you. It's, it's, yeah, it's almost like dating. Yeah, feel right. Like you got to try mm-hmm. some people on for size. Exactly. And if it doesn't work, then move on. But they're mad like apps that people can use. Um, you can call people on the phone and talk to them. I'll share a link to the Philadelphia Center that I go to. It's called Therapy Center of Philadelphia. And again, it is for its sliding scale. Um, for women and transgendered women and um, from a a feminist standpoint. So check that out. Um, And like there's so many, especially within the black community, there's so many stigmas against it, you know, religion, lack of resources, just thinking that you can handle everything all on your own. But I think that it's very, very important to just to, to give it a chance to do something different, um, to use it. And we talked about this before in a, another podcast, to use it as a supplement to whatever it is that you're doing, to prayer, to medication, to meditation, yoga. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be and maybe it isn't healthiest to think that it's going to completely um be like the the cure-all because I think it won't be. It won't be. Because I'm still fucking crazy. You need multiple <laughs> things. <laughs> no, you need, you're going to need multiple, yeah, you're going to, the work is, it's a, it's a whole thing. But I would also say go when you're ready because you're just going to waste your money. Like go when you really want to change your life. That's when you're ready. Like if you're still making excuses for yourself and most times when we do make excuses for myself, ourselves, we know that we're doing that. So just try to figure out why you're making those excuses, unpack that and then get your ass to somebody and talk about it. It's important. Yes. It's important. All right. Internet, thank you so much for sharing your inner deepest darkest. Wait, we got to check in Um, again though. We got to check in with you though. And what in like a in like a month we gotta hear where you're at with your therapy sessions, see if you're any less crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep sharing and uncover. You gotta do your year all, bit like me. Though. I did not know you went for a year internet. I, you're a hater, and that's okay. But you're gonna do a year bid like I'm me. Excited. And we're I'm excited. I'm excited to be happens. in therapy for 17 years, talking about the same old shit. She'd be like, Shanti, let that go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being there with JoJo oh together. God. We're gonna have family therapy. <laughs> <laughs> JoJo's JoJo is gonna be like this lady. She keeps talking about generational curses. I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. JoJo, you guys should go together, though, a couple times when she gets older, I think. I'm ready. I can't wait. Well, I, I'm actually terrified. That was super helpful what, for I me. I, I will say when my mom, we went to therapy as a, <laughs> as a family. And my dad's, like, really good at hearing criticism for some reason. He's just like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I was a shit. Okay, yep, I hear that. I can own that. And my mom is like, fuck that. I was angry. I flipped the table because you made me angry. And I'll never forget this. This woman was like, she was coming for my mom, like telling my mom like the different mistakes that she made. And my mom was like, 
this is bullshit and got up and walked you out. You still <laughs> need to continue therapy. She was it. like, I'm not going to go to some woman who's just going to go side with your father again. He made me do it, period. And I'm just you like, unpack okay. that okay. But it was really helpful to have someone hold my mom accountable in a way where like I could, I never could. So I do highly recommend family therapy as well. Couples therapy, all that. I'm, I'm, and you have to be honest with your therapist. There are people that go in and they don't tell the whole truth. <laughs> it's like, uh, you're not gonna get, yeah. you're not gonna get what you need. I know a lot of people that go and they they don't tell their therapist everything, all the all the things. It's like, nah, you gotta, you have to be honest and you have to be hella vulnerable. Vulnerable. So Shanti. One month from now, I want to hear that you're more I'm like, Antoinette, I don't like it when, and can you please make sure there's fried chicken every time I come up there? That's what I need. <laughs> you, anytime you do a voice like that, you sound like every mixed girl that they have on, like, cartoons. Every single one. I swear to God. Like, you sound like old girl off the Big Mouth right now. There's a girl... You probably don't watch Big Mouth because you don't watch nothing. But there's a girl, I forget her name on Big Mouth. She's like white and black. or She might just be black. I'm not sure. But she's like the young girl. And she's like, guys, I just, and she's like, wins all the science awards and stuff. That is who who I am. Shout out to Psych. I know. All right. I'm going to be okay. She's going to be like, Shanti, you need Adderall as well as. No. (sighs) No, I don't. I just need some vitamin D, baby, every now and then. What? Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the sun. Sunshine. <laughs> vitamin D. Milk. Can you end this? How do we do that? <laughs> just press stop. Oh. What's the takeaway? Yeah, we said You already said it. Just tell them to go to therapy. <laughs> That's it. This has been endorsed. <laughs> Internet charity. Go to therapy. No, seriously. If, um... <laughs> It, I think everybody should go to therapy. That's what I have to say. Jesus. <laughs> All right. And with that. Yeah, we out. Come on. Just end it. <laughs> we out. You have just heard an Around the Way Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Way Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good. Why would I spend the rest of my days unhappy? Why would I spend the rest of this year alone? When I can go therapy, when I can go therapy, when I can go therapy two times a day. Why would I spend the rest of this week so bitter? All that listening is making you bitter too. When I can go therapy, when I can go therapy, when I can go therapy two times a day.